1: Hello, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pub application or the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn the steps to take to safeguard your eyesight. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. Today it is Saturday, October the twenty thirty first, and our radio show is being broadcast from the studios of News Radio seven ten Keel and one hundred one point seven FM, a Town Square Media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show is not live and has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the November issue of the Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations beginning on November the 2nd. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember if you're unable to find a copy at one of our distribution locations to pick up free of charge, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both our current issue as well as many past issues for the past three years on our fabulous website. In addition, you can view and download the 2020 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A Bears 10 and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer.
0: Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 101.7 FM and 710 Key.
1: Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and A-Bearstown and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a very special guest is Dr. Timothy Murray, who is the president of the American Society of Retinal Specialists. And he's on the show here to discuss the steps that one should take to safeguard their eyesight as one ages. So thank you, Dr. Murray, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour.
0: Gary, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to join you and your listeners.
1: So, I, I take it that you are in uh, the prestigious position of president of your society. So, I congratulate you on that. How long have you been the president of the society?
0: So, I've um, been on the committee board and presidency track for the last 20 years. Wow. I have been the president for this last year. And, of course, as you know, 2020 was supposed to be our banner year. Um, <laughs> And it was a banner year for reasons that none of us were looking forward to.
1: You're right about that, Doc. It's been a lot of various organizations that have been, but everything keeps going on. But you have to be that positive thinking, right? We got to keep going. We've got that positive thinking out there. So uh, I feel for you as well as all your your members of your association and many others out there. I, I uh, your your staff sent me some. Great information. I mean, I was fascinated by some of this, and that's why I invited you to come on our show to educate many, my many thousands of listeners uh, uh, via live as well as pre-recorded and on, and on M, uh, Apple Podcast and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm an old techie person, so sometimes my producers here are very quite young, and everybody. But hey, I, I still like the regular radio uh, shows, the broadcast. And now everything's you know internet. Apple Podcast, Podcast Download, whatever. So uh, now they want me, Doc, to, to do video. And I said, nope, we're not going to do video. We're not, not going to do video. That can be in the next predecessor. So according to a recent survey you by your society, you found that Americans 40 years of age or older don't know enough about the signs and symptoms of the blinding retina diseases. So why did you all decide to do that?
0: Well, Gary, I think um it's it 's really funny that when you need a retina specialist, you really need them, um, but often our our patients really have little experience with the field of ophthalmology in medicine and and really need guidance in terms of how to reach out for the right practitioner and The key is, as you know that um, we 're all aging, and as we move into this um, more, more mature group. Um, we are seeing a marked increase in several of the diseases that fall right under the retina specialist's purview to treat. So, for example, um, our population is, is is getting older, and as we're getting older, we're also getting heavier, and many of um, many of us have diabetes. Um, and And hopefully, all of us now understand that one of the major concerns for diabetes, for example, is that you can lose your vision from diabetes and in fact, for people between the ages of forty and sixty, diabetes is the leading cause of blindness in the united states wow what's am- what's amazing, gary, though is it 's totally treatable, so that we know that if you can see a redness specialist early in the course of your diabetic eye disease, you may well have 20-20 vision through your entire lifetime. So recognizing what, what those symptoms are for you or what maybe the signs could be and understanding that the major risk factor there is your diabetes. Um, can help you to speak to your diabetologist or your endocrinologist or your primary care provider and make sure that they know that you know that you need to have a good eye exam by a retina specialist.
1: So I, I, you, your survey showed, which is, you know, sometimes you, you, un, you understand whatever survey comes out, you find some interesting findings, and your survey said 62% of those people polled do not even know a retina specialist is a medical doctor, which is amazing. But it could happen out there, right? That's more than half.
0: Yeah, that's almost two-thirds. So part of why I was thrilled that you invited me was for us to talk a little bit about what is a retina specialist and, and where do they play that role in, in care for the patient. So in the 40- to 60-year-old group, you're thinking about the patients with diabetes. In the patients over 60, you're thinking about age-related macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, and And it has been an amazing decade for both of these diseases because, Gary, we now have tools to diagnose at a microscopic level the impact of the wet macular degeneration or the diabetic macular edema and with those tools we can determine which is the most appropriate treatment for the for the patient and, it- and now we have Treatments that didn't even exist before.
1: So yeah. it, it medical technology exciting. is amazing in the in the world, and uh, I mean I'm, I'm fascinating by it myself. I was in the medical field a little bit, but it's amazing. And you got in physicians, and likewise the the individual. Patients that you deal with have to, need to know a little bit about it. I'm sure the physicians do, but sometimes they don't think that it's going to apply to them, but it could, and it could save them. And one one more thing I want to mention, uh, I think our listeners need to understand is, the quicker you find a retina issue, the better, right? If you wait and, and procrastinate which some of my listeners and some of my friends who are my age, a little bit younger, procrastinate a lot. They don't want to go see a specialist. They think their regular, their GP can handle everything, but that's not the case, right?
0: Well, certainly for these kind of potentially blinding eye diseases... That isn't the case, so your, your general practitioner is the one that should, should recognize the need to prompt you to go to a retina specialist, but we also want our patients and your listeners to know that if they have certain signs or symptoms, they themselves can reach out to a retina specialist and, and make sure that they have an excellent exam. So I push really hard that if my patients with diabetes have had their diabetes for longer than five years, they should have a dilated exam where their pupil is mm-hmm. dilated by a specialist. And, and that that exam, Gary, sets the, sets the framework of, of where all the future exams will go. So... We know, especially in diabetes, for example, that if we can get to the patient when the disease is affecting the eye but has not yet affected the vision, that that's the patient that's going to keep excellent vision for the rest of their life. But once the patient notices that there's a problem, their disease is still treatable, but they may not have that same ability to have preserved excellent vision. This is a case where you, you want to be seen even before you are yourself symptomatic.
1: Wow. And it's important, as you're telling our listeners out there, it's important. But what other types of retina patients that, that you care for might need surgery? Explain, almost everybody needs surgery or can drops or can other kind of procedures help?
0: So fortunately, actually, the the vast majority of our retina patients do not need surgery. Um, But what does distinguish a retina specialist from the other um, eye care providers is that your retina specialist actually is a a medically and surgically trained specialist. So retina specialists are surgeons. And when you think about... the surgical management of retinal disease, you think about things like retinal detachment right. where the retina separates and that can happen spontaneously or from trauma or from other diseases. And those signs and symptoms are really, really important to recognize. So As you get older, many of us have small amounts of floaters in our vision, and we can see them as as they move, but it doesn't affect the the quality of the vision. But if suddenly, Gary, you have floaters that just seem to shower through your eye, what we worry about there is that the retina may have torn, Mm. or there may be bleeding, and that's the precursor to a detachment of the retina. So sudden, new onset floaters, Really important, and then we call them photopsias, but occasionally what patients will see with this is they'll have sudden flashes in their in their in their peripheral um, vision that, like they've never seen before. And the combination of those those floaters and those flashes um, really, really, really require that a retina specialist examine the eye. And, and really, for those patients, you're hoping that it's a retina specialist because you're looking for a retinal tear before a retinal detachment or if the detachment has already occurred, you're looking for the staging of the detachment so you can get the patient into the operating room to repair
1: the detachment. So it's it's better, again, to catch it early before it completely retaches. And, you know, that's, that's a more serious condition and probably a little bit more extensive surgery than if you get – catch it in the early stages, correct?
0: That is absolutely correct, Gary. So one, we can usually do a a more simplified operation for the patient that we see early. And two, if we can get to that patient early where the vision has not been affected, then often those patients, again, can have excellent vision for life. And there have been huge advances in the surgical technology field for us. It's kind of neat because when we operate on a patient's eye, we actually put these little cannulas into the eye under the microscope. And then we're able to go inside the eye in the cavity in the back part of the eye called the vitreous cavity. um, And we can clear the debris and we can peel the scar tissue and we can push the retina flat and seal it with a laser beam it's pretty it's pretty spectacular and the instrumentation is is so small the sutures that we use for example are half the size of a human hair
1: whoa that is that's totally amazing okay i had uh, a person i was i was mentioning i was going to have you on my show and this this lady wanted to know that her her son uh, likes to watch bright lights And he thinks She thinks And he, she hasn't gone to ophthalmologist yet But she thinks something's happening To her his eyes And, and doesn't that in some way Indicate a possible retina damage When bright lights and, and looking at the sun Extended time It hurts the retina Right? Am I, am I correct in, in that observation? So
0: you are you're, so you're absolutely correct about the sun so sun gazing can lead to uh, damage to the very central part of the vision called the fovea within the macula so we tell people never gaze at the sun if you if you catch the sun in in your in your vision as you're moving across that's not the problem mm-hmm. um, The problem is actually people that that can gaze directly at the sun. Mm that 's not the most common injury that we see. The most common injury we see actually is inadvertent laser damage using a laser oh, pointer God or a God. laser aiming beam um, and there' are specific regulations for for these lasers, but On the Internet, for example, a laser may be classed one way, and it actually may be much more powerful than it is indicated. And even a brief look at a laser pointer of these higher powers can damage the redness significantly.
1: Yeah, I go – we have Mardi Gras here in, in, in Louisiana, and we go to a bunch of Mardi Gras parades. And now I've been seeing for the past I, – I used to ride 20 years ago, but I've been stopping for five years. But now everybody has lasers coming off of the floats, onto the floats, everywhere. I'm saying this is like – what is this, like laser tag? And these lasers, you're right, seem, seem quite powerful. I mean, you're, you're right. I have a feeling a lot of people are hurting themselves and not knowing it, think it's funny, but it's really serious.
0: Well, it can, it can certainly be really serious. Now, if the lasers are, are appropriately classed and powered, then then you're not going to have damage with that transient the laser flicked across me during Mardi Gras. Having said that, too, one of the things that we're seeing more and more of with our with our our younger students and and all of us is that screen time with this COVID-19 pandemic has gone up incredibly oh yeah of course so one of the major concerns that i hear often is you know if i'm if i'm looking at the tv or am i looking at my computer monitor continuously can that damage my eye and, and you know, when you're growing up, you were told, don't look at the TV, don't sit close um, <laughs> when you do that, because those cathode ray tubes actually potentially could have damage. The newer monitors and the newer TVs have no risk of damage, even for people that are on them virtually continuously.
1: Mm, that's good to get So that's a out. good
0: thing, right. So we don't want people to worry when they when they don't need to worry. Now, having said that, being on the, on these devices or these monitors for long periods of time can be incredibly uncomfortable, and that's because when we're doing that kind of sort of defined focus work, we actually don't blink as much, and, our, and the cornea, the surface cap of the eye can become dry, and when it becomes dry, it becomes irritated. So one of the things we talk about with with our with our young students, for example, is we tell them that the 20-20-20 rule, which is after 20 minutes of screen time, look away from the screen out in the distance, hopefully 20 feet or more, for 20 seconds, hmm. and that allows your your eye kind of to relax, and then you can come back to the screen time again. Wow. And then from, 20 and then seconds patient, only.
1: 20 seconds?
0: 20, that's all it takes. You you're, you. need 20 seconds break from that from that 20 minutes to come back. Now, having said that, when you get a little bit more mature and your eyes have this propensity to be dry, the other thing you can do is try to consciously blink your eye while you're on the monitor to let the surface of the eye re- re-lubricate, or you can use over-the-counter artificial teardrops to lubricate your eye. And those can... Can be very helpful to keep your eye comfortable during these really prolonged viewing times
1: well that's some good good advice out there so I want to as, as my as you understand the best of times radio hour deals with mainly people that are forty five years of age or older, so a lot of my uh, my readers, a lot of my listeners, a lot of my event attendees uh, seem to have a lot of this age related macular de- degeneration so Tell us more about that, and is it treatable?
0: So that's actually a great question, Gary, because age-related macular degeneration is the leading cause of blindness in Americans over the age of 60. It doesn't need to be, and that's what frustrates uh, many of us in the retina specialty group. So age-related macular degeneration starts with these findings in the back of the macula, which is the center part of the vision, called drusen. Drusen, in and of themselves, are not a problem. They're just a marker that this can be a future problem. When patients have drusen, we like to have them followed by their retina specialist, and we're following them for the development of what we call wet macular degeneration. That's the condition that is most concerning for blindness. And wet macular degeneration is the abnormal growth of new blood vessels underneath the retina that can leak fluid or bleed. So that, when I started practicing, was virtually an untreatable condition. You would see it and there was nothing that you could do. That's where the huge advances have taken place. So this is a condition now that we can use these high resolution scanning systems called optical coherence tomography which lets us look at the retina at literally a microscopic level. And if we see that abnormal vasculature or leakage, we can then treat our patients. And in the patients that are treated, if their vision starts better than 2040, they will almost always maintain 2040 or better vision, which is legal driving vision, and it's vision that enables you to read. Mm, okay. So, Gary, that's the key. Now, what are some of the hallmarks of that condition? First of all, it's familial, so it runs in families. So if you know your parents had macular degeneration, you want to be looked at early. Now, the genetics of, of this macular degeneration turn out to be quite complex, so there's not currently any genetic testing. But, for example, if you have the intermediate macular degeneration from aging that has not yet become wet, you can actually take a special multivitamin supplement that was shown to significantly lower the risk of progression. So there's something you can do by knowing that you have risk, which is to take this AREDS2, A-R-E-D-S2 multivitamin. Mm-hmm. The other thing we know are there are things that you can do in general that will, that will make a difference. Smoking, for example, is a huge risk factor for macular degeneration. So who could have thought that you're smoking a cigarette? We think about lung cancer and maybe heart disease, but who would have thought it's really a major impact on macular degeneration? So we really push our patients not to smoke, and then you can imagine that we would like them to be healthy. So we're looking at at being at a good weight, at finding yourself some activities, um, Even even walking makes a huge difference in terms of risk factors.
1: So I want to ask a follow-up question here about this. So you say it affects people 60 and age or older. What about the younger uh, adults at 50 or 45? What conditions would they have? Hopefully, they're either their ophthalmologist. I don't know if they've gone to a retina specialist, but they didn't know they have retina issues, but. What what is the conditions that will cause them to think that they may need to see their ophthalmologist?
0: So the things that they they would want to look for is if they have a family history of okay, good, um, blinding eye conditions. You know that's key. Um, if they've had any significant eye trauma, they've been hit in the head or oh. the eye. That's key if they get sudden symptomatic changes like we've talked about, the sudden flashing lights or floating spots, or if they perceive that there's a loss of the vision, either the side vision or the central vision. And Gary, it's really interesting. You know, we're blessed to have two eyes, but that is a blessing and a little bit of a curse because you can lose significant vision in one eye and not truly appreciate it. So one of the things that the retina specialists will ask you to do is to cover each eye individually and check each eye itself and compare the one eye to the other they should be very similar if one eye has a loss of side or central vision that's concerning and that needs to be seen and evaluated right away
1: okay so i'm thinking about myself i'm thinking about my listeners but Direct referrals to retina specialists are allowable, or do you have to go through an ophthalmologist and have a gatekeeper?
0: It really depends on what your problem is. So if you're looking for a a screening retina examination and you really have no significant symptoms um, and no noted family history, you can actually be seen by an, an ophthalmologist that is a comprehensive specialist. And then that person hopefully does a comprehensive examination for you. And one of the things I like to tell my patients is as they mature and hit this age group that you and I are so interested in, is that they need to make sure their eyes are dilated for the exam. So if your doctor didn't put dilating drops in your your eyes to make your pupils enlarge, and if your doctor didn't put on um, what's called an indirect ophthalmoscope, which is this little headgear that fits on the doctor's head and has this amazingly bright light that he shines, he or she shines into your eyes. That's not the complete exam we want, and if that's the case, then then looking for a retina specialist is reasonable. Okay. And so, for my practice, you know, I I practice mostly on referrals. Um, but if I have a patient, a new patient that calls in that's having a redness-specific symptom of symptom, symptoms, then, then I'm willing to see them um, even if they may not have a, a specific retina problem. Okay. I'm always more worried the opposite way, Gary. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about the patient that doesn't get seen more than I'm worried about a patient seeing me that maybe needs someone other than a redness specialist.
1: So if a person has been seeing the same ophthalmologist or ophthalmology group for a number of years, hopefully the, the technology has increased. Because my five years ago, maybe longer than that, they they use something. It's it's like a electronic picture of your retina after they after they they dilate your eyes, right? It's a newest newest system, All right? Uh, and, and, and it got yeah, it. so it's we have it, these it, it pictures of it. Wow, that was amazing. Yeah. They showed it to me last time. It's been a long time thing? ago.
0: Right. So that's what we call ultra-wide-field imaging, and there are some technologies that literally let us look at almost all of the retina through a photograph that digitally evaluates the retina, and then we can look microscopically with the other technology called OCT. And in eyes that we can't see in too well, we actually can use ultrasound to look into the the eye itself and see through some of the the blockages to, to light passing. So there's some amazing technology that you can use to evaluate an eye, but I'll tell you the bread and butter uh, for a retina specialist, is have your eyes dilated and look with this oh. indirect ophthalmoscope. That's the gold standard. That sees just about everything in the hands of an experienced uh,
1: physician. And explain to our listeners, which the the physicians educated me many years ago about this, was I was like amazed. And I said, Why don't everybody know this? And they said, Well, we don't tend to tell them, but we should ask. But your retina and your eye can indicate lots of other medical. Medical problems, especially high blood pressure issues right it, correct at, so I yeah, thought so that was I exactly. thought that was amazing. I said, well, if somebody's not having blood pressure men having blood pressure, are they taking it and may not be taking blood pressure? you can definitely she's like we can definitely tell by looking in in your retina right.
0: So that's correct. So you can actually grade the amount of of hypertension by looking at the eye. So the eye really is a window. They say a window Mm -hmm. to the soul. But really for us, it's a window to your general health because... Small blood vessels are critical to a lot of diseases. They're critical to kidney disease, they can be critical to liver disease, they can be critical to stroke, they can be critical to heart attack. So when we look at those at, inside the eye at those small vessels, we're able to see them directly. Every, every other specialty has to look at them indirectly. So this is one of the reasons I love ophthalmology and I love retina because I'm able to look in your eye and see exactly what I need to see. So I can look and say, you need to see your, you know, your general practitioner. Your your blood pressure is not well controlled. I have seen cancers that we make the diagnosis of the cancer that hasn't been seen in the rest of the body. Wow. I look at the patient first. Um, I
1: haven't heard of that one. So the cancers can be detected.
0: Yes. yes. So, for example, you know the most common cancer in women is, is of course, breast cancer. And, the, and one of the more common sites for breast cancer to spread to is the eye. But luckily, breast cancer for the most part is recognized early, and the spread to the eye is late. So most of the patients I see that have a tumor in their eye from breast cancer already know they have breast cancer. That's the opposite for people. The most common cancer in men, which is lung cancer in smokers, when, a, when I see a tumor in, a, in an older gentleman's eye that's been a smoker, I almost always can tell that the tumor is there before the patient even knows that oh. they have a lung cancer. Amazing. So it's fascinating.
1: Mm, it is fascinating. Yep. Okay, but one other thing, if somebody, there are a lot of people that are diabetic in my state and many other states that are undiagnosed. It's so sad. Uh, and yep. sometimes, if they go see their ophthalmologist or retina specialist, this individual, this specialist, can also detect that, Right? Am I, am I correct about that?
0: So one of the earliest detectable um, problems associated with unrecognized diabetes is diabetic eye disease. So that's absolutely correct. Now, it it, it breaks my heart when I'm when I'm seeing people with advanced diabetic disease mm-hmm. because we know that 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 that's totally preventable by by good diabetic management, good control of the blood sugar, and, and good follow-up. Um, you know, we were delayed this morning a little bit because I was in the operating room, and two of the patients I operated on had very complex diabetic eye disease. And, and one of the things I was commenting on with my OR staff is we don't really see that as much anymore because patients are are recognized early. But... We're seeing, you know, we're expecting to see the number of people with diabetes double, double over the next 20 years. So it's, it, it really behooves us to understand that we need to, to have patients educated to get good medical care. You're right. So You're I, don't, definitely. I don't want to see, yes, I don't want to see the advanced disease. I want to see early disease. I want to see you even before you've had disease. So I think that's really, really critical, and that's part of, part of this discussion is that, you know, if we know that 8 million Americans have diabetic, you know, related complications, and that's going to double, that's a lot of people.
1: I, I don't know what the, the two will answer, but let me give you a, a true fact that happened to us in uh, the report and Bossier City area. I don't know if you know where we are located, but I have healthcare, senior healthcare care events each and every year of the past 20 years. And six or 7,000 people, generally 50 and older, show up in, in the various hospitals and physician groups offer medical screenings. And I started doing that the first year, and it was like, Whoa. Uh, they said, Mr. Gary, we're finding so many people that have diabetes and they've never been either checked or they're scared to go to the doctor, won't go to the doctor, and all these people can afford to go to the doctor but don't go to the doctor. And they're all different ages, but most of them were 45 and older. But it was amazing, Dr. Murray, how many. And I I had one lady that came and hugged me about her husband. (laughs) She hugged me. And this is before COVID. And she says, Gary, I think you saved his life because I don't think he would ever go. He, he's so stubborn. He doesn't ever want to go to the doctor. And you offer the free screening here by one of the, one of the groups. And this particular group, Dr. to his medical, ed, they said he needs to go see somebody immediately, and really immediately. and he, It was way out of the charge. And uh, so he did. And his wife uh, hugged me on the way out. And then she called me, gave me a follow-up. And she says, I think you saved his life. So I, I was touched you know, by that. I was really touched.
0: So, Gary, I think that's, first of all, that's probably true. I mean, you know, the, the uncontrolled, unrecognized diabetes, uncontrolled, unrecognized hypertension, those, those are life-threatening conditions. Um, you, you know that we know that the patient with hypertension has increased risk of stroke and heart attack. And to me, those are totally preventable conditions. So I think you're you're having this kind of screening for for twenty years is is outstanding because that's you're absolutely right that's getting people into the, the the medical care system that may not have have really taken the time to get there and that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about you have to own your health is the way I really think of this and and you need to make sure you're getting the best medical care. Um, and that's kind of why we're talking about the retina specialist for retinal disease. It, in in the U.S., to me, you want to be able to see the person most expert at taking care of the conditions that you have. Um, that gives you the best chance to have the best outcomes. That's
1: right. This has been fascinating. I've learned. I always learn something when I have guests of all different specialties. And uh, on my show, I know my listeners uh, uh, We'll learn a lot from today's uh, show, so I thank you again for taking your valuable time to educate us out there. One person asked me to ask you this question. I didn't ask my ophthalmologist. I said, "Hey, when you're on the show, might as well ask you this." So he he recently had cataracts and had cataract procedures and had uh, the, the lens implant, and he comes up to me about three weeks ago and says, Gary, you know, I probably need to go see a retina specialist. He says, well, wow, Kyle, they've been doing all this procedures and pulling my cataracts out. Don't you think they would have, it might have done something with my retina? What What's your comment about that one? Hopefully the ophthalmologist oh, wow. checked him out, but he's wanting to go to see a specialist who I know. There's a couple, many of them are in our area and I know the one he was asking about. He says, should I go see him? I said, hey, I don't know. Uh, so what do you tell people that have just had cataract surgery and lens implants
0: so um, one of the things that's um, fascinating is that no one in the u.s has cataract surgery now without a lens implant so everyone gets a lens implant to allow them to have better focus
1: so right. they don't have
0: to wear those coke bottle thick glasses that you may remember your great-grandparents wore so that's that's an ex, you know expected standard what I like to tell people is that you should expect to have excellent vision. And if you have cataract surgery with lens implant and the vision is not excellent, you need to ask your ophthalmic surgeon first to to tell you what they believe is going on. And if there's not a good understanding for you, then that is when I would seek a retina specialist. Because the most common reason for Outcomes that are that are less than ideal after cataract surgery almost all involve the retina so so your your listener um, who questioned you is absolutely correct that if everything goes well and the vision is excellent and your surgeon says things are are wonderful, you can continue to follow with that surgeon. But if you're not achieving really good vision, you need to understand why because many of those reasons are in fact treatable and cataract surgery can worsen some of the pre-existing conditions that we worry about for example cataract surgery can make diabetic retinal disease worse oh. there's been an ongoing argument in the field that cataract surgery may make macular degeneration worse so one of the things that we're seeing are are um ophthalmic cataract surgeons do more and more is they'll often get that O C T test to look at the macula. And the reason why they do that is that if there's macular damage before cataract surgery, one, that should be seen by a retina specialist, and two, that gives that doctor an opportunity to explain to the patient they may not get the perfect vision back that their neighbors
1: oh, that their neighbors good point.
0: So really, good, a, it's a,
1: it's really good advice there. I, I would never have thought of that. And the other thing i got to ask you this, I mean, is so when they're doing cataract surgeries, uh, there's so much cataract fluid or gunk in there, it, it, they could probably not be able to see the retina that well. Is that correct? Depending on so, how advanced I mean, the cataracts are?
0: Gary, that's correct. So if it's an advanced cataract, the ability to see the retina may be limited. and And that's when you want to have a retina specialist use some of the advanced technologies that we've just discussed to make sure to the best of their ability that things behind the eye are good. And sometimes, Gary, you can have a cataract and there is something going on with the retina, And there are specialists that can do the cataract and the retinal surgery together as one operation so that the patient doesn't have to go through two separate operations, one for the cataract and one for the retina.
1: Wow, that's totally amazing. So uh, concerning a few uh, comments, you mentioned about one, but are there supplements that are marketed that that can support better eye health and better retina health?
0: So the, the only supplement that has been proven to be beneficial is, is that very specific AREDS 2 supplement that is beneficial in patients with intermediate advanced macular degeneration. So it's a very small subset of the population and that would be directed by a, a redness specialist to use that medication. Having said that, I, I'm not opposed to supplements, but I, but I really tell my patients to make sure that they understand that supplements are, are still medications in their own way, so that they tell their medical doctor and they tell their ophthalmologist. I'm happy for my patients to take a general multivitamin, you know, Centrum Silver, Theragram, you know, Mature. There's, there's some of these that are targeted specifically that are broad-spectrum Multivitamins. I think that if you're going to take something, take that. I don't think that the specific supplements where people will take bilberry or lutein, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, that that really doesn't benefit the patient in any significant way, and that's generally the best data available to
1: us as retina specialists. And what did our parents tell us and our mother tell us? you got to eat lots of carrots, Right. <laughs> well,
0: the carrots too But also remember for macular degeneration It's lots of green leafy vegetables oh, okay. So what it turns out is Your mother was right You need to eat your vegetables
1: <laughs> Eat those vegetables It, it def- definitely uh, could affect your health And also, also your eyes So uh, I think we need to emphasize one other thing You touched on it But uh, I haven't uh, I'm, I'm Luckily I'm 70 years old And I've never smoked I might have tried Many, many years ago But I did, just didn't like it But I'm telling you I still see more young people And even the elderly More and more people Are not quitting smoking And they're telling me You know oh, I don't care My father lived uh, you know, to 60 I don't care And I don't care about my health And I said, well that's sad You know your family Your grandkids Everything wants, wants you To be around a little bit longer So smoking does impact All of our body systems And, and you just mentioned It affects the eyes too
0: Correct, so I think if, if someone 's a smoker, the single most important thing they can do for their health and their life is to stop smoking um, and then the other things so that 's super hard as you know, but there are there are ways to, to effectively move toward the ability to stop smoking the other thing of course is you know you want to have a reasonable weight you don't want to be you know really morbidly obese that affects your health significantly and if you can you want to exercise even if exercising gary is just walking outside on on a nice day with with your friends and family so i think that good health really is is kind of our responsibility eat well there's there's all this data about um fish in your diet, um, green leafy vegetables, carrots, um, but I, th- I think that your health is, is something that you can really actively control by, by making good choices. They're not always easy choices, but, but they're good choices.
1: So please tell our listeners before we close the show, you, we were fascinating, uh, how can they find, uh, through your association, uh, retina specialists within uh, any area of the country?
0: So that's that's great, Gary. So one of the things is the American Society of Retina Specialists. Virtually every retina specialist in the United States is a member and the the society has a really unique um, site that allows you to find your retina specialist. So if you go to ASRS.org and put in find your retina specialist, it will let you find a retina specialist by zip code by the name of your city or town, or by the doctor's name directly. And I think that allows, allows you to have the ability to choose um, who should be your retin specialist. And on that same site, Gary, there is some very good general information um, that, that details a little bit of what you and I touched on in, in this discussion today, and that's asrs.org for patients. So there's a patient component of the website.
1: I did visit. So I it, believe, and it's it's a very very uh, educational website. I learned a lot too from that, as well as the information your staff uh, sent to me. But it was re- totally remarkable. So what what do you give us, our listeners, closing advice to help safeguard their 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 site?
0: So I think that what you want to do is take good care of your general health, monitor your sight, cover each eye once a day, and make sure that vision is crisp and sharp. Make sure that you haven't had sudden symptoms like flashing lights or floating spots or a loss of vision. Um, And it's always better to see the doctor when you don't need to see them than it is to see the doctor (laughs) when you do.
1: That's great advice. Well, thank you, Dr. Murray, for taking your valuable time to join us today. You were you very educational. I, again, I, I learned a lot. I know my listeners will as well. So thank you, and God bless you. And uh, continue uh, be safe and healthy during this pandemic times, and I wish you the best.
0: Gary, thanks for having me, and thanks for letting us reach out to your listeners. Really appreciate
1: that. Okay. Thank you for listening to our show today. Hope you'll you'll join us next Saturday for another interesting show to benefit you and your loved ones. Learn about our magazine, our radio show, and events at our popular website at www.bebestoftimesnews.com. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great
0: day.